In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. There's no one I'd rather have on than Nick Green. That's a fact. It's a fact. It's not only because do you wear my do you wear a t-shirt? Do you wear that? I asked I do I actually do wear it. You do? Yes. And uh and people ask about it, but I don't even know where to go to get it. You you want a QR code? I can give you one. I need a QR code. (laughs) But but I I I think it's so simple and fun and it makes sense. So I like it. I mean that's you just summarized it. I mean I I'm gonna take that clip. I'm gonna basically say, you wanna know about baseballs and boring? It's simple, it's fun, it makes sense. (laughs) Be part of the empire. Be part of the be part of the empire. Um, all right. Well, you represent that. I appreciate that. Not only because you have the T-shirt, but because of all that you are um, and all that you do for the great game of baseball. And I just wanted to. I, it's funny because we were just talking, and I said, to you, "Okay, what do you want to talk about?" I said, "Well, I want to talk about Chris Sale." You know. Have that dynamic, which you know, I can weigh in yep. as well. But I want to talk. I think one of the most fascinating conversations right now in baseball is this Dodgers versus versus Braves. <laughs> and you know, there's this, there's a lot of ways to look at the Dodgers right now. Like we just had on um yesterday, Nolan Jones, which I think is like great player. Really good. Yeah. I got a good story about Nolan Jones, by the way. That I I didn't know until I after interviewed Nolan Jones interviewed Nolan Jones. Uh, he's a great player who may or may not have taken Nyquil instead of Dayquil for a week. So anyway, um, yeah, and still ranked. We'll get more on that later. But Nolan Jones, when he's so good on the podcast, and when we were talking about it, Nick, we said uh, like, okay, well, how do you treat your the Rockies in this division? And and he had a good point. And this is one of the great things about this baseball right now is that, yeah, you're the Rockies, but look at you can look at point to the Diamondbacks, you can point to the Reds, you can point to the Marlins, you can point to a bunch of teams. Even like the Nationals had a run for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, why not? Like why not? So there's that conversation, but the better conversation is the thing that got your blood boiling already, right? <laughs> Dodgers Braves. Dodgers Braves. I mean, the floor is yours. Go, go. No, I mean, you know, when you think about it, it's fun to to think about. It. I mean, if you if you think about the Braves back in 2018 when they started their run of division titles, they wanted to be like the Dodgers, and that's kind of what it was for a few years. And you have to build your team for success at the end of the year, right? A lot of these teams are built for the success for 162, and they're not built for success at the end of the season. The Dodgers have been built for success at the end of the season with all the depth they have. They continue to have depth. Last year, they got banged up by injuries. They continue to have some depth. Other guys 
came out of the minor leagues, performed pretty well, uh, but you're still looking at other teams trying to build off that same model. Now, what we're really looking at, the Braves model is pretty good. The depth has been there, although they ran out of depth in the postseason this past year, but um, it, it, they built their team a lot like the Dodgers. I think it's actually better the way they built it and they continue to build it. So I think it's a fun matchup to talk about. Obviously, you have to get them to the NLCS for them to meet up in the postseason, but it's one of those matchups that you expect every single year. Those are the two teams that are going to be in an LCS. Whether it happens or not is another story, but it's fun to look at, especially over the course of six months. And I, I look at this Braves roster. I mean, I'm thinking about the things that Alex Anthopoulos has done this offseason. Once you get to a certain point with your payroll, you have to start to get creative. The Dodgers got creative with Shohei, which I think is completely bonkers, and I think it's like a, a crazy thing. That we don't want to start that. I don't like it. I don't think it's a good idea. I just hate the way that it was done. Although well, I love show. Hey, stop, stop. Why don't stop? Like why don't you like? I don't it? like it because I don't like the fact they've deferred so much money. I don't. I don't really understand how that was even approved. Because if you're if you're deferring sixty eight million dollars a year for ten years past the length of the contract, you're basically paying somebody that's not there. Obviously. For what? Like you're hamstringing the, the team, you're hamstringing the, the organization. So what happened with the with the Nationals, with the Strasburg, Strasburg yeah. Scherzer, those guys have all the deferred money and now they didn't have any money to spend. Now the Dodgers are different, they're a different league, obviously, because they're worth so much money. But I don't I just don't like the idea. And I and I was looking up at Cops contracts today, and part of the deal within that contract, or at least it says on there, is that they use the savings to make the team better. Well, what are we doing? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I just don't like it at all. Um, but give them credit. They have some deep pockets and they have a well, lot the, of good You players. know, the weird, the weird, the weird thing is number one, that's true. You know, okay, that's fine. You know, you're making $2 million a year for 10 years, but also you're saving a hundred million dollars in taxes, which is good for you. Like, I, I'm not going to bring Yeah, They're beating the system, right? They're, they're beating, beating the system. The system. And and what what's fascinating is that so when you have to start paying him is in ten years. Where is Andrew Friedman going to be in ten years? He's going to be gone. Where the ownership the, group's going to be gone? Well, that's the it's point. It's going to be the, the owner, problem. The owner isn't even the guy who paid the bill. Doesn't even have to pay. Like he's going to be like he's going to get out two years before the Otani deal yep. kicks in. Anyway, but it is you know of this Braves Dodgers thing. What's interesting is how they're building this team, like how these uh-huh. building these teams. We can, I think that FanDuel had it, you know, when they made the Otani and Yamamoto signings, the Dodgers jumped up. But still, like, I think it's there's no doubt in baseball what the perception is of the two best teams. Yeah, but you have the two different ways they're building it, which is, I think, I think you'll agree with this. I think most people in baseball are saying, hey, Dodgers, good for you for being creative. Hey, Dodgers, good for you for recruiting the right way and getting all these guys. But Braves, I mean, that's that's the model, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And not everybody's going to have deep pockets. Now, the, that, that being said, the Braves payroll, what is projected, like $270 million right now. Yeah. And that was that one, the third threshold is 277 So they have a little bit of room to work with it, but they're spending a lot of money. And they have a lot of money on the books. They have a lot of long-term deals. But the way Alex did things this offseason, as far as getting creative 
in terms of getting players they think can help the team. The Kelnick deal was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're you're essentially what taking out seventeen million dollars for Kelnick, but they had to do that because they don't have the depth in the minor league system to trade for guys. People were talking about Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease. Well, I would love to have Dylan Cease, but you have to have prospects to give up to get him. Well, they couldn't do that. So they go get like a Kelnick, for example, when they need to fill a left fielder role, they go get Chris Sale, uh, basically for Von Grissom, and they took on some money there and guaranteed more money next year. But like I love the fact that he's taking on money to get he's basically buying players that he couldn't get otherwise. And now that being said, I think some of these TV deals have really hurt some of the teams too. Seattle wanted to unload some players because their TV deals messed up. Um, and so you have opportunity in different areas that you didn't have in the past. So I think Alex Anthopoulos is the best GM in the business uh, in my book. And he's gotten creative. He's made the team a whole lot better. Well, and another thing, though, Nick, is it, what's amazing about the Braves is that, yeah, the, the, it's well documented that all these people are locked up. If you mm-hmm. play for the Braves – you get an extension. Extension for you. I was waiting for that Chris Sale extension. Chris Sale, yeah. It. Like, like this is almost like, you know, oh, oh, you don't think we can give someone an extension? Everybody's, let's watch us give Chris Sale an extension. But the thing is, you know, Sale aside, Kelnick aside, the thing is, I don't think anyone in baseball would look at the players that he's locked up as this foundation and say, oh, you locked up bad players. You locked up risky no. players. That's the crazy thing about this mm-hmm. is – that in this, and I know that walking, I did an article today about the Red Sox about how you have to somehow pay and find foundational players. Somehow you have to uh-huh. pay for certainty. And teams are looking to pay for certainty. The Yankees are looking to pay for certainty, at least for a year with Juan Soto or Alex Verdugo. Everyone is looking to find, quote unquote, certainty and then build around it. The Braves have like a a sea of certainty, like every mm-hmm. up and down. It's crazy. All what I'm saying is, all these players that they have locked up forever are all good. Yep. They are going to be good. They they are. And you look at they look at the infield, for example. You take obviously you have Riley Albies and then Matt Olson. But what about Orlando Arcia? Who saw Orlando Arcia performing like he did last year, becoming an All Star? Uh, you know, being a, a two-win player, it's nobody really expected that. What's he going to be next year? I don't really know, but he's in a great spot because there's not a lot of pressure on him. When he got called up in Milwaukee, there's a ton of pressure on him to be the guy. Well, the Braves have hit him at the right time, and they found that guy, that comfort zone, that they're a player other teams didn't necessarily value like the Braves did, and they locked him up for, you know, three years and $7 million or whatever it was. It was something super cheap. Uh, the same thing happened with Albies, though. They they took a risk on Albies early, and it's paid off. He had 30 homers last year. It, it's over 100 RBIs. It's insane how they're evaluating these young players. And also, when you think about some of these other deals, like Aaron Bummer, for example, mm. with the White Sox, they unloaded like five players that had no future with the Braves. And they essentially saved money there on that end because Nicky Lopez was going to get $4 bucks. Mike Soroka was getting – paid on that one too so it's like you're looking at the way alex anthopos is doing business in a crazy way of letting other teams take advantage of players he wasn't necessarily looking at to be on his roster right and and then all of a sudden he's getting good players in return and like the bummer deal i think is really good because you need to get out of chicago for one 
you get on a team like the Braves, there's, there's just that relaxed feeling every time these guys come over where they feel comfortable and their stuff comes out and plays better for the Braves. It's nuts how it works, but Alex, again, unloaded a bunch of players that had, didn't really have a future with the Braves and got a really good pitcher in return, who's obviously another guy under club control for yeah. a few more years, too. Well, and, and that's the thing. You might say, well, their farm system isn't among the best, but still, you can afford to maybe trade some some guys that normally the other teams would be like, we can't, mm-hmm. you know how this works. We can't possibly trade our top three pros. Well, why not? Because you have everybody else signed up forever. <laughs> they aren't playing. I mean, Vaughn Grissom's <laughs> a perfect example of this, right? Yep. So it's, it's like, that's the luxury of this as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Vaughn too. Red Sox fans are going to love him. Uh, you know, he's, I think his best spot, second base. And, I think it's great to give him an opportunity to play every day. This kick can hit. I would love to see his bat in the Braves lineup. There just wasn't a spot for him. And so I'm so happy for him. He's a great kid, hard worker, uh, and a really good player. So I'm excited the fact that he gets the opportunity to compete for a job over there. When we get Before we get to the Grissom sales stuff, when you look at the Braves, so their reaction, they have to be reaction. They don't have to be, but maybe their reactionary did two things to losing of not getting to where they wanted to go and then mm-hmm. the Dodgers right because you got to the, the free, I, with all due respect to the Cinderella still you have to put yourself in the best position with the most talented most talent and then see where it falls so wh- what what was your takeaway from their reaction to those things and wh- I, I I would imagine the Dodgers thing is sort of more hype and media driven whatever yeah but still, but, like the the fact that they didn't win, there has to be like, okay, well, what well, went wrong? Well, you look at what Alex did as soon as the offseason hit, right? The bullpen, he needed to shore up the bullpen. So he went and got Pierce Johnson. He, he signed, re-signed Pierce Johnson. He re-signed Joe Jimenez. Matzik's coming back. A.J. Mitchell's in that bullpen. Reynaldo Lopez is a guy that's probably going to be in the bullpen. He went and addressed the bullpen immediately and spent a ton of money but if you don't have a good bullpen, it's going to be tough. How many times have you seen guys in the bull or in the postseason starters go five innings? Oh. You got to cover four more innings, and the Braves can do that with the depth they have now. So I think that to me, uh, just really addressing the situation with the bullpen was huge. Obviously, starting pitching is a lot harder to address, but he addressed the bullpen in a ridiculous way. I was looking at this stuff today. They have seven legit bullpen arms right now. Seven legit bullpen arms. So there's really one spot to fill. And, you know, he spent money, but it is what it is. You got, you, if you want a good bullpen, you got to spend money and you have to trade for guys. And, uh, you know, with the bummer trade, I think they wanted to get him last year. Um, and if, if they could have gotten him at the deadline, I think they probably would have. Um, I just think it's a great fit. And they went and got him pretty quick in the offseason, too. And, uh, you know, you you lose in the manner they lost last year. Uh, you go fix the things you think that are broken, and they went and fixed that bullpen. So, uh, I, and I'm glad you brought up the bullpen because I this comes back to the, sort of the certainty, like finding the certainty. And mm-hmm. this has come up. I wrote, I said, I keep saying I wrote about this. Well, I wrote about it today because Kenley Jansen, <laughs> a lot of people talk about trading Kenley Jansen. And fine, like you had Kenley down with the Braves. And mm-hmm. – my point is, is that be careful what you wish for. 
because Kenley Jansen was good. Chris Martin was good. And you know what that does? That pushes everybody back. And in this day and age of good luck to get a starter into the sixth inning, you better push guys back in the bullpen because if you start pushing them up, those sixth and seventh innings, they're pretty ugly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you don't have depth, they're ugly. Yeah. And that's just – it is what it is. I mean, you you want your guys to go six, seven innings every time, but it's not going to happen. And that's – like you look at the Dodgers, for example – they tend to let guys go five innings every time, every single time. So you've got to have a good bullpen. I, I don't necessarily think I should. We should build a team like that, where you you rely on your bullpen for one sixty two. You've got to get some depth as far as length is concerned out of the starting rotation. But again, if you have a bunch of different bullpen guys that can fill different roles, it's going to be that much easier to get through the season. And I think the other thing. To you look at arms up and down the Braves bullpen, you got a bunch of different guys that can give you multiple innings, and that's huge too. And that the Braves were able to kind of rest their bullpen at times last year because they did have multiple guys that could give you two innings at a time. Michael Tonkin, for example, he gave them all the length they needed a bunch, and it saved the bullpen down the road. So you got to you have to find ways to keep that bullpen healthy and fresh at the end of the year. Here's a hot take. I believe Nick Green believes that the biggest challenge to the Braves is the Phillies and not the Dodgers. Am I wrong? That's, that's not a bad take. That's <laughs> not bad. I, listen, I, I'm kind of talking myself good, into it. Man. They're I thought really, the, really good. Yeah. I thought the Phillies were – I honestly – and being around them in the playoffs, I'm like, man, this clubhouse, they had the whole thing rolling. The whole they thing had, They have an edge, too. They've got a big edge. And then you look like I went to Philly. It was nuts. Um, it was the first time I had been there for a postseason game, and it was crazy how bonkers that stadium was. But how the the players fed off the energy. Yeah. And you you look at their starting rotation too. They dealt. Yeah. I know the Braves' offense was the best offense in the game last year, but when you run up against good starting pitching, it's tough. Period. And that's what the Braves ran up against. Aaron Nola was awesome. Zach Wheeler is absolutely crazy good. Um, and then you you look at just how that the Rob Thompson kind of managed that that starting rotation. I give credit to the Phillies more than I give uh, you know, I, I more than I say the Braves offense just didn't perform. I thought the Phillies starting rotation well, was just they were awesome. on a roll. I, I just I it yeah. was amazing. It was amazing where you literally had uh, two games in Arizona. It was like okay, Craig, Craig Kimbrell, you got bad Craig Kimbrell, yeah. Times and and then you you come back to Philly for whatever reason, you know the Diamondbacks get hot. I mean, it's they're mm-hmm. they're a good team. The Diamondbacks were a good team, I think. But, yeah, but they the are Philly, they're scrappy. The, our guy, uh, our guy Papelbon, our our gambling expert here on baseballs <laughs> and boring. Uh, he I don't know if you saw, but he um, he had put down. 10 grand on the Phillies in July. So if the Phillies won, he was going to win $140,000. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a pretty good bet, though. I mean, I, I thought, I thought they had a really good chance. Once they beat the Braves, I thought they had a great chance of, oh. of getting to World Series and winning. Yeah. So you would take, would you, am I right? <laughs> do you feel like I, I do because you, they're going to have to beat the Phillies first anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's essentially like, to me, that's that's the team that you have to make sure you can beat first. Is there any other it, team? Because there's talented teams, right? Yeah, but, but it you, you got to hit them at the right time. 
Yeah. Just like Arizona. I thought Arizona was good, but they didn't scare me. Yeah. But if you hit them at the wrong time, they could beat you. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had two starting pitchers. That's about it. So it, it, that didn't scare me. But when they got to the postseason, it, it didn't matter. So well, I, I think that I think the Phillies and Dodgers are the next two teams behind the Braves. Well, so that leads us to the Braves and really like the what the when 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 I saw you in Atlanta, it was the middle of the year. It was probably like on late May or whatever it was. It was a good series, a two game series. But it was when you see the Braves in person, you saw them all the time. You're like, holy mackerel! Their lineup is good. Like mm-hmm. from one to nine, it was it was crazy. It was so good. And then you had Strider and Morton, and but still, you then you hear, well, are they going to be in on Cease? Are they going to even be on yeah. Yamamoto? I don't know. But and then out of the out of the blue, well, here's their answer: Chris Sale. So, which is, which I love it. I love it because not only because Alex gave him an extension, which is just like, like, it was like almost like he was dare, like someone dared him to do it. Um, but what was your reaction to that? It came out of the blue for, I think, everybody. I know, I will say this, Nick. I know that the Red Sox did put him on the market going back, you know, mm-hmm. year ago, off season, whatever. But you have that contract. You have the ton of injuries. You don't have the production. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, what was your reaction to it? Uh, it shocked me. Um, I wasn't expecting it. But I also wasn't expecting the Braves to get a Dylan Cease. Um, I was expecting Alex to do something kind of out of the blue to find some rotation piece. I didn't know if he was going to be able to get a number three or number four. Um, because you would, you essentially want a number three because you have Freed, Strider. You want to put somebody in between Strider and Morton. Yeah. Right. And so you want to push Morton back to number four. I, I thought it was a great fit. I think another thing that the Braves were missing this year was that edge, the player okay. with the edge. Um, I looked at the, the Phillies and they had, they had a bunch of different guys that had that edge wow. and the Braves really didn't have that. And not to say it's a bad thing, but it's, it's a it is a really good thing if you do have somebody like that. Now you have to have somebody that's healthy. You have to have somebody that either plays every day or somebody that starts every five days to make that work, right? Chris Sale's got that pedigree. Um, he's had success, a ton of success in the past. Uh, I, I think that the way he finished the season last year, if you look at all the advanced numbers, and I'm sure you've done that, that Alex is like, okay, this is a gamble we can't take. And there are a lot of other teams who can't take that chance on a guy like Sale because of health. If you need certainty in the rotation where you are guaranteed that you or you need somebody who can guarantee you 150, 160 innings, then Sale might not be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So the Braves could take the chance because they have so much depth. And I, I like the move a lot. I really do. Um, I can't wait to see kind of how he reacts to the the Braves in general and what kind of edge he brings to that team. So it shocked me when it was went down, but the more I thought about it, the more sense it made. I like the, I like the aspect that you said about the edge, because that's a, like, that's a very real thing. Um, Mm -hmm. As much as a starting pitcher can be, but this is the guy you, you still have the image of him in the world series, 2000, 
18 World Series, running up and down the, the dugout saying, he's got two pitches. He's got two, <laughs> talk about Rich Hill. He's got two pitches. Yeah, so – but it's. I thought that when Alex talked to the media, or maybe he was on the um, uh, on the radio, but he had mentioned how they saw it not only at the end of the year, but the beginning of the year that he had ramped up too too quickly. And mm-hmm. I think that's a subtle thing that I, I give Alex a lot of credit for recognizing that, and I don't think it was talked about enough. So what happened was he goes sale like has a great spring training. And then he comes out of the gate, and in the first, I think the first, his first outing, he's blowing like 97, 98. <laughs> I think he has a no-hitter through five innings or something like that. Yeah. And it was a typical, what do you, no. Or maybe it was like when he first came back from injury, but it was something early in the year, and it's like, you're, this is not good. Like, the, he was chasing yeah. a no-hitter, um, and everyone was like, can you believe how good he is? And then yep. – that's just how it works, you know. Mm-hmm. So, well, the, the Braves last spring they slow played a lot of guys too in the spring. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play him. And, and I, I don't think you're asking for 160, 170 innings. No. I think they can they can ramp him down easily to that one fifteen, one twenty mark and make it work easily. Um, because the, the bottom line is he's got to stay healthy. You had the Braves ran out of starting pitching last year in the postseason too, and the year before as well, guys weren't healthy. And so how do you keep these guys healthy over 162 to be ready in October? And I think over the past several years, the Braves think they have a game plan to keep those guys healthy. And we'll see how it works to Chris Sale. But um, if he's healthy at, in October, look out because that rotation can be pretty good. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's interesting. And, and you mentioned Vaughn Grissom. What If Vaughn Grissom isn't traded, what is he? For the Braves, he's a, he's an up and down guy. Yeah, because they, they would have had him play a little bit of left field, but I don't think you can really expect a guy who's never played out there to go out on a championship caliber team and give you great defense when they haven't played out there, hmm. right? And then so if Ozzy went down, you could fill him at a second base. He's not really a shortstop, so they would have they actually have David Fletcher now, so David Fletcher would take over at shortstop. So I think that he, you know, he would have just come up if if there was a need. Um, although Alex was saying that he was going to make the team pretty much and be a utility guy, but they're just—I don't think there were enough at bats for him. Um, but the the kid, he works hard. He's—I think he's a pretty good second baseman. He's got a little bit of work to do at second, but that's probably his best position, and he can really hit. Yeah. You think he could be an everyday like obviously they're hoping he's going to be the everyday second baseman. You think he's? Ready I think for you that? can. You can. Yeah, if he played every day, he's going to get better. And I think that if if he plays one sixty two at second base, then I think you're going to see a completely different Von Grissom defensively the following year. And you know one of the things that under Sherholz they were so good at, and I'm not saying this is Von Grissom, but you, you have to be all. This is what good organizations do. They say this guy's really, really good. Scherholz was the master of this. Yeah. I remember, you remember a guy, RIP, uh, Andy Marte? Yes, I do. Andy Marte, number you know, number one prospect in all of baseball. They trade him for for Edgar Renteria. And, yep. and what had happened, and they that, that was one example, but they really, really they did a great job of identifying the mm-hmm. right guys 
which Alex is doing. We know that. And also hyping up the other guys. And well, so I'm just also thinking about this too is that they saved Vaughn. They could have traded Vaughn last year at the deadline. Hmm. But they Alex was waiting because he was the best trade ship they had without trading one of the guys they just drafted, like Hurston Waldrop. But he was one of those guys that they were waiting on for the right move to make and the right fit, and it fit with Boston. So, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. They have a knack for hyping up some guys and That's, getting other talent. teams interested. It's a talent. I remember that, you know, everyone's hyping up Nick Green. I mean, you were a good yeah, right. player. <laughs> no, you were a good player. Was My good agent player. hyped me up. That's about it. Uh, no, no, no. You were good. <laughs> I'll never forget your, your run at starting shortstop in Boston. It's a good run. They they asked they asked too much of me. That's if they would have played me 180 <laughs> bats, I would have been perfect. They tried to get me close to 300. Is that what you said? To them? You're asking too much of me. I asking not. too much. Too much. <laughs> oh yeah. Man. Um, well, it's uh, as people the, the sale thing must like people are excited about the Braves anyway, but the, yeah. the sale like, because he's a name, you know. Yeah. People must be excited there, right? They, they are excited. In anytime Alex does something crazy, they get excited too. And it seems like he does something crazy all the time. I mean, you can go up and down a list of, of guys that he's traded over the last few years. And it's like we get we get so excited when he brings somebody else in because even if we don't necessarily think that they're the best fit, you trust Alex. You, you feel like he's making the right move. And so you with the sale thing, even though that helped history is a concern you feel like he's making the right move it's just yeah. it's fun to watch him work man it's so fun well i think that if not there's so many examples but the one that will i don't want to say go on his tombstone because that's morbid but it's <laughs> the, the like you lose it you lose you know you're gonna lose like one of the best hitters in baseball one of the best players in freddie freeman right yep and you immediately you immediately trade for a guy who's basically almost the same guy. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you this the contract so we won't have to worry about that position it's, for the next it's like It's like having Freddie at a younger age for the next eight years or whatever the contract is. And how are those guys I should look? This is another, you know, we talk about trading the right guys. And this is one of the things that Dombrowski does well, I think, is that he identifies the right guys to trade. Everyone's like, oh, he gets the fire system. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about young players. No, he, he doesn't trade the wrong guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I haven't followed how those guys are doing. The guys that Alex has traded away. I know, like you said, they're not doing anything. No, nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, this this is the thing about how about the the guys that they got traded for Rysel Iglesias? Oh yeah, nothing, nothing. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's it's. I don't. I mean, there might be like Shea Langleyers. I thought was really good, but. He didn't do much last year, you know, and he was the big piece going over Christian Pache as well. He bounced another, to another team also, and they got Matt Olson. Now, that being said, that the A's had to find some some taker and somebody willing to give up decent prospects, you know, because yeah. they weren't going to be able to sign Matt Olson. They're going to yeah. lose him. It's amazing. But they see what he's doing. He's identifying the right team too, the team that needs to get rid of players. All right. I, yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is the thing about the A's. I like David Force a lot. And, you know, I like Billy as much as he's involved a lot. And obviously, Mark Codsey, I like a lot. 
I like all these people a lot. Very yeah. good human beings. Yeah. But at the same time, you've had a lot of guys that you've traded. Like, you've had talented players. You had this wave of talented players. And you, the, we all know you got to hit on those. You have no yeah. choice. You got to hit on yep. it. I feel like this last wave of of guys, mostly to the Braves, they just they haven't been able to hit on them to turn over their roster. You know, so yeah. I mean, I'm not a scout by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I just when I look at some of the players that are that some of these other teams are relying on so heavily, it's like okay, I get the fact that you've invested in them, but what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And it's it's hard. It's kind of hard to evaluate talent this day and age too, because there's such to me there's such a gap between AAA and the big leagues mm. that how do you how do you know if somebody's gonna gonna be good in the big leagues when they're good in AAA? I don't know. Like it's I, just hard now. Well, I'll give you I'll give you an example. This is a deep dive, and you can use this on the broadcast if you want. It seemed really really smart. Um, but I was told. Uh, Matt Bowman, who was a pitcher for the Yankees, went yeah. to print went to Princeton. Mm-hmm. So he's very smart. And he said, uh, I said, Well, we're talking about the difference between minor leagues and major leagues. He's like, I said, What why have you seen the difference in baseball this year? And he said something that I, I never even thought. He's like, because of the automatic strike zone in the minor leagues, guys are coming up and the short stocky hitters have a better idea of the strike zone. And um, I'm like, okay, sounds good to me. Yeah. But the point is, is that stuff like that, you, you have to evaluate everything. You have to evaluate. I've heard mm-hmm. pitchers, the pitchers talk. Uh, well, didn't they change the balls? And, and was it double A this year in the middle yeah. of the season? Right. Like, how are you and, supposed to evaluate somebody that's changing balls in the middle of the year? Well, that, that's another thing. And then you hear guys who struggled going from double A to triple A because of the change in the strike zone and the change of the mm-hmm. balls. And so when you're talking about like evaluations and a lot of times you'll hear, well, this is the excuse for it, but maybe they don't recover from it. I mean, you know, so it's, it's not a like, it's a mental game. Yeah. It's not like when you <laughs> I, came up, right? I mean, it's not, Well, we, it was, it was mental, but we didn't have the, the, all the data they have now to, I feel like the data now helps you become a better player, at least more confident in what you're doing. Uh, so, but you also obviously have to hit tough pitching as a hitter. So it's a little bit different, but, um, yeah, the mental side of it is still huge. And if they can't recover from those things, then I don't know who they are. Like, I don't know if they're going to be a good player or not. Yeah. But that's also where this, you know, you talk about scouts, the scouts are more, it's almost for scouts. I don't know how much you talk to them at the park or whatever, but it's almost there's the element of watching a guy, but just as important is talking to people about the guy. Yeah. That's what Alex does really well too. Yeah. Oh the yeah. Braves haven't had, the Braves haven't had one guy come over that didn't fit in this organization. Yeah. It's well, crazy. I mean, you, you think about the sale thing. You don't think mm-hmm. he was talking to people about that? Oh yeah. He's probably talked to a hundred people about him. I had, when he was with the Blue Jays, I had, he, I talked to him for 45 minutes. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. When they were talking about interviewing managers, uh, so they were looking at Farrell. They're looking at Demarlo Hale. And I think um, somebody else. And forty-five, like me, like okay, I'll tell you what I know. Sure, <laughs> but 
But 45 minutes, I was on the phone with him. Like, yeah. And like, but that's, that's the type, like, people think it's all gossip. No, it's not. It's information. Yep. So. Well, it, it's, I've been on so many teams that we had good players that just didn't mesh together and they weren't in it for the same reasons. And if you're not pulling the same rope, then you're probably not going to win as a team. It's just how it is. Like, you can win over 162, but when push comes to shove at the end of the year, you better be pulling on the same rope. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So if you have guys straying different ways, that's not a good thing going into the postseason. Yeah. Most importantly, have you ever – have? I know that, like, broadcast can be um, gimmicky. They ever ask you to race against the freeze? No, but Paul Burr did a couple of years ago. He did? Oh, yeah. You didn't, you didn't know about that one? Nah. You, you got to go back and look. He, he pulled a hammy. He did? His hamstring was black and blue. <laughs> right. It was oh, the so greatest was, thing ever. It was Actually, bad. So here's the story. The story is they hyped it up. There were promos, Paul Bird racing the freeze. Paul went to a trainer, all this stuff, right? And then the night before the race, Paul calls me and he goes, Greeny. We got a problem. I was like, what's going on? He goes, I think I blew my hamstring out. And I said, what? He goes, I don't think I can race tomorrow. I said, we've been hyping this thing up for like a month. You have to race. And he goes, I don't know if I can race. So he goes out there and he gets off to a pretty good start. And then about three quarters of the way, just blows it straight out. All black and blue. It was the funniest thing ever to me. Yeah, I felt bad for him because he blew his hammy out, but it was so funny. And I knew the whole story. When he started to race, he tried so hard to get through that race and couldn't do it. I mean, he would He was so good. I, I'll do respect to Paul Bird, who I really liked in my time around him. <laughs> he would have no chance, like with a, with the healthiest hamstrings of all time, right? That's very true. He would have gotten blown away anyway. But I feel Although like he, you. I think had, feel like a, you. You have a chance. You're like in. You're in shape. Eh. Yeah. What of. was your What was your career high in stolen bases? <laughs> probably five. Oh, if that, I could. I didn't, I mean, I was okay runner, but I wasn't like a great runner. Could you? Beat- but you know, the key, the key yeah. with the freeze though, as long as you, as long as you can keep a steady pace, you'll beat him. Oh, really? Because he gives you too hard, too far of a head start. So people blow it out early. That's the, what they do. Yeah, that's what Paul did. Paul sprinted from the get go. <laughs> <laughs> could, could, could you have beaten Dustin Bedroy in a race? Uh, I bet you. I, I bet you would have been close. I probably. I probably been right there with him. Okay. I just want to clip that and send it. He to was him. a be- he was a better he was a much better base runner than I was though. Yeah, you know why? He actually paid attention to the game. I didn't pay attention that much because he ran like he's cradling a baby. <laughs> he did do that. <laughs> <laughs> you paid attention uh, to the game. That's why you're so good at what you do. So there you go. Well, well thanks, Rob. Uh, listen, I'm here to build up. I'm here. I pay in t-shirts <laughs> and, and confidence. Um, <laughs> But thank you. I appreciate your. You got it, man. You got it.